Welcome to Lindsay Live. Thank you for joining us for a discussion on anywhere, anytime learning. A discussion that has never been more relevant than the spring of 2020, which sees educators around the country transitioning to distance learning in the midst of the COVID-19 pandemic. While no one could have predicted the current situation, the educators and staff in Lindsay were well prepared to make the transition thanks in large part to our commitment to anywhere, anytime learning. Over the course of the past decade, we've taken steps to provide every learner in the district with a mobile device and Wi-Fi service that gives them access to learning content at any time and from anywhere. Our partnership with Empower Learning Management System has given our LFs the ability to craft lesson plans and monitor learner pacing. It helps learners track their progress so they know exactly where they are in their learning and where they need to go. It gives them the power to take ownership of their learning experience. Later in the show, we'll speak with Empower CEO John Caesar about the vision for Anywhere Anytime Learning and why it was relevant and powerful years before any of us had ever heard of COVID-19. Lindsay Learning Facilitators Jorge Magana and Caleb Mendonca will join that conversation to speak on the Learning Facilitator's role in Anywhere Anytime Learning and why building and maintaining relationships with each learner remains as important as ever. Very excited to get to that conversation, but first, let's take some calls from outside of the district. We are not alone in this situation, and many other school districts around the world are facing the challenge to adapt to school closures along with us. One of those districts is Shelby County Public Schools in Shelbyville, Kentucky. Like Lindsay, Shelby was an early adopter of Anywhere Anytime Learning, and Digital Learning Coordinator Adam Watson has called in to share how they have expanded those strategies to address the current needs of their learners. Adam, how has your district's adoption of the Anywhere Anytime Learning mindset helped you adapt to COVID-19? The idea of you know Anytime Anywhere Learning is absolutely the heart of what is exactly going on right now. First off, it's very helpful to respect me as a student and say, here's the material, the content to learn, here's the material, the ways you're going to deliver, how you're going to prove to me that you know that information or that you can apply that skill, that you can do that in a flexible way. You know, it doesn't have to be at 10.52 a.m., <laughs> you know. Uh, that's recognizing the reality we live in right now, right? As far as anywhere, that is exactly the problem that we're in right now, which is we are recognizing that instead of 30 students in a box called a classroom, there are 30 students students in 30 different boxes, their homes. We had some practices and, and belief structures going into the, into the pandemic that we recognize those things, we're working on those things, but nothing, necessity being the mother of invention, right? Nothing creates the urgency of how we must be getting better at those ways as teachers to facilitate that learning than a pandemic, because that's the epitome of any time, anywhere learning that we're in right now. We are definitely thankful that we were, you know, using Empower prior to the COVID you know, pandemic, that we had a structure of a learning management system that a lot of people were utilizing. If nothing else, when the pandemic hit, uh, there was many people that kind of stepped their game up <laughs> about using Empower so they could you know, use a learning management system, so they could manage the resources, so that they could create opportunities for students through playlists or activities to you know, do the work virtually at home. We were thankful of, of Empower and and other structures in place prior to. Um, we had done a one-to-one -one initiative several years ago, so all students had devices, that we'd also had a snow-go, is what we called it colloquially, a snow-go plan, which was for inclement weather, what would it be like to be able to do work at home? Um, not that it wasn't a challenge, as it is for everyone, it certainly has been, but 
the ability to take those structures and things like our snow go plan and say, well, what would that look like if it was for two weeks, which optimistically is what we thought at the beginning, four weeks, eight weeks, at least we had a, a basis that we could use to expand. So that did definitely help us. My next caller is Seth Abbott. Seth is a level four five teacher at John E. Flynn, a Marzano Academy in Westminster, Colorado, and the co-author of the forthcoming book, Teaching in a Proficiency-Based Elementary School, The Academy Model. Seth, you've said that teaching will forever be changed by this experience. Why do you say that? When we're talking about what's the future, a future world for our students, it's mostly it's gonna be a lot of this online collaboration that they're doing. I mean, we're we're really I'm really looking forward to, to developing some of those soft skills. I think the, of like project management. I can see more so more so looking like a almost like a business world where we would have almost like pods and teams and and a lot of like jigsaw cooperative type things where students are really going out doing some research. Maybe one of them is running are running meetings for each other, right? And and collaborating with each other, going away doing research, doing whatever it is that they need to do to come up with a plan, meeting timelines, setting goals, like a lot more of that online collaboration, which, you know, uh, to, to be honest, a lot of my students are missing some of that, that project, those project management skills. And there are things that we try and teach in the classroom, but I think it's almost easier for them to, to be doing it right now because they, they do have some of that time to focus where they're not distracted by the others or, or by their peers who are you know, normally in the classroom with them and around them. Um, I could really see this kind of developing and building a lot of those soft skills that they're going to need for, for their futures and their businesses. Are you currently facilitating for that type of growth in your digital learning environment? Currently, yeah, we're, uh, yeah, 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 for sure. To begin with, it was a lot of just the basic logistics of, hey, you know, let's get logged in. Just kind of the, the in and outs of how to chat, how to send in screenshots, how to video chat, you know, just to kind of make sure that some of those basics were taken care of. And so we did, we did a lot of that. And then once, once that was all set up, these kids are kind of built for this, aren't they? You know, this is, this is their world. I mean, they, they're, they're used to everything being online. They're used to, they're used to chatting and, and talking to each other through all their devices and different platforms, whatever it may be. It didn't take too long to kind of get them up to speed on all of this. But then once we did, they actually started asking for group projects, which is we, we use a lot in, you know, when we're in the classroom. We're using a lot of Google Hangouts and they all, have, they all have their chats and they all will go off and hold their own little virtual video meetings right now. We're doing a lot of, a lot of argumentative uh, essays for literacy and, uh, and some other projects in science where they had to get together. It was, it's neat to watch them and see who's taking the leadership roles and who's sitting back. Um, yeah, no, we're, we're trying some of those things, uh, some of the collaboration and the, and the small, small group work. And so far, like I said, it's been, they've, they've taken to it like fish in water, like really seem kind of hardwired for this. A lot of this kind of speaks, speaks to the strength of Empower. For, for me, and I've, I can't tell you how many times I've told people how lucky we are to be having a platform like Empower where, you know, it's, it's kind of a combination between like a, a home base and a launch pad all in one, right? Where it's just the powerhouse of this whole thing. And you know, one-stop shopping for students so that everything's in one place, all the activities and assessments, uh, contact with parents and students, it's all, it's all there. But what it, what it really does is it just gives me that, that immediate snapshot of, of exactly where my students are on any given standard, any given day, and, and allows me to give some kind of real-world feedback. It allows me to react in real time and provide them with specific targeted instruction with your parents. You know, we can sit down, we can have conferences with you and your mom and then talk about, you know, hey, here's the support that the kid's needing or here's what they, here's where they're going. It's been wild. And I really feel like in so many respects, I'm learning more about my students. I'm getting more one-on-one, -on -one, which is weird to say, but I feel like I'm really getting a lot more one-on-one -on -one time with them. 
I'm, I'm learning more about them through this online learning that it's just, I, I can see a lot of power to this for sure. Uh, and, and hopefully some blended model comes out of this in the end. I think it would really need to see. Big thank you to Adam and Seth for calling in to join the podcast today. Awesome stuff. Really appreciate your time. Thank you for calling in. We have more coming your way in just a moment from John Caesar, Kayla Mendonca, and Jorge Magana. So stay tuned to Lindsay Live. Welcome back to Lindsay Live. I'm on the line with John Caesar, Kayla Mendonca, and Jorge Magana. We're talking about anywhere, anytime learning. It is May 2020 at the time of this recording, and because of the COVID-19 pandemic, my guests are calling in via Zoom, and schools are locked down across the world. But here in Lindsay, we've been able to nimbly adapt to the situation because of the fact that we are a one-to-one -one district, meaning every learner has access to a mobile device and internet connectivity in their home. This is something we've offered for years now, and obviously, when we put the plans into place, we never could have predicted this current situation. But nonetheless, we took those transformative steps to make anytime, anywhere learning a reality. John, you were actually working here in Lindsay as part of the leadership team who made that transformation happen. So why did you and the team believe that anywhere, anytime learning was an important aspiration at that time? I was a part of that team. Uh, it was a privilege. Um, I, I think the team would love to take credit for uh, that, but we, we really can't. Um, that vision was actually born several years before uh, we, we did this around 2012, I think. But the vision was really born by uh, the LUSD school board, and they adopted our strategic design from 2007. And that outlined a vision for the complete redesign of the entire district. One of the questions used by all the stakeholders was, you know, how will we use technology in learning or something like that? And the stakeholders got to give their input and feedback, teachers, community members, parents, uh, educators. And so essentially, you know, our team that uh, did this work was handed a vision statement that was our job to implement. And that vision statement uh, said something like, every learner has access to a computer uh, and the internet at their learning community and at home, et cetera. So it was, it was a really bold thought by the community that created the vision statement. And what was the process in bringing that vision to life? We had the, the problem, which was how are we going to, you know, uh, give every learner access to a computer and internet and uh, in their home and in the learning community. And so, um, you know, we gathered a team we simply started an exploration process. We, we first dug into the idea of one-to-one -one devices. What, what, would the, what do we see the use case being? Uh, on a parallel path, we dove into the question of uh, equitable access. You know, in short, kind of what, once we had these devices, you know, in the hands of kids, uh, we, we asked ourselves, is access truly equi equitable in our uh, community, which, of course, we answered a resounding no. Internet access in Lindsay is what could be considered uh, by many a luxury item. So we started the idea of, of building our own internet service provider, uh, which, which at the time, I don't know uh, if there was anybody or any other models except for maybe I think Google had something 
taking place in San Jose or, you know, that, that, that's the only thing that we could really find. But, you know, that's Google, not little Lindsay. I remember initially meeting with uh, higher education. I had a gentleman from Cal Poly. We were really exploring innovative ideas and partnerships. Uh, one of them was to join up with their engineering department and have kids design uh, a network in the community. Uh, that never unfolded, but we got great ideas. And then I do remember leaving that meeting thinking, you know, this might actually be possible. But but the end result was the city got really excited about the vision and we created this uh, really logical partnership to um, enrich the community. They were a, a really great partner. But I have to say well, one of our best assets to the team and in the process was we had a guy by the name of Peter Sonicson who's still with us, the technology guru of Lindsay. And, you know, he was pivotal in, in every aspect of the process because he was able to put I just a paper. I'd say one last thing. I'm getting long-winded, but um, a, a very critical venture that we we did for this process was we put into place a technology audit that we really needed and wanted to assess our current infrastructure. So we we hired an external evaluator. Uh, the guy was really smart. He did a deep dive into every aspect of our of our technical environment. Uh, it really helped us to identify and fill gaps to be ready for a one-to-one -one environment. You know, for instance, uh, it, we, we doubled and in some schools quadrupled our access points as we realized that all these kids with devices was going to overload our system really quick. We upgraded firewalls, security, redundancy. We got rid of stuff that was junk. We invested in good stuff. It, it all kind of happened in tandem but as a prerequisite to, to finally getting to that place where we could roll out one-to-one uh, -one devices. It, it was a very smart process. Lindsay does things the right, you know, they do the right thing in the right way, and this was one of them. So, Jorge, I want to bring you into the conversation now. What does that look like today in Lindsay, and why is it important for learners to have access to 24-7 anywhere, anytime learning? Learning in general is a very kind of personal thing. Uh, I know just today I was doing my first type of masonry work. I was putting some bricks, trying to do build a planner. And it's like, I needed to learn right then, right, right, right now, right? How to do this. It's such a great tool to have knowing that learners could learn when they're ready and able, you know, compared to the traditional model where they have to learn when they're in your class. And that's the only time you really get with them. Be, them being able to learn when their mind is right and when they want to learn is, is to me a game changer and something that I really appreciate. I am fairly new to Lindsay, so uh, I am getting the hang of this and getting better and just, you know, recently getting uh, trained with flipped classroom. If they didn't really have access at home, it would kind of make my flipped classroom lesson just kind of fail. Yeah. Have there been any challenges or adjustments getting used to 24-7 learning versus a traditional system? Oh yeah, but it's all good stuff, you know. It's all, it's all, it's all me having to learn all these programs. I feel like I get taught a new, a new uh, website <laughs> almost every week. If anything, it's just more tools, just adds tools to our repertoire. Yeah. And Kayla, I'm sure your experience as a kindergarten LF is completely different than the world Jorge's in at the high school. So, what does anytime anywhere learning look like for a kindergartner? So it's been a little different in the kindergarten world. Um, 
besides having to teach remotely and teach them how to log on to these platforms remotely, that's been um, very difficult in some points. But once we've gotten on and we've been in this for a couple of weeks, my kids are flying through stuff. They have assignments that they do. We Zoom every single day. And they, to be honest with you, are adapting very, very well. And they are continuing their learning. And it's really, really amazing to me to just see the, like, the creativity they get to, to show me that they know something, the access that they have. Like, hey, Miss M, I tried it this way and this really works. Just like the different innovative things that they're doing because we're not in the classroom is even building on that 21st century, 24-7 learning that I would even expect of them. And so it's amazing that they're rising to the occasion and they are just, I mean, they are blowing me away. I'm really, really excited. So, I mean, it's a lot, it's a lot of learning on both ends, but I think the learning is a good, it's a good struggle, like Jorge said. I mean, it does look different, but they're, they're continuing their learning and they're impressing me every single day. One of the tools you've been using is our learning management system called Empower, which allows you to build playlists, which are a sort of resource that provides learners with anytime, anywhere access to their learning content. Can one of the learning facilitators fill the audience in on what a playlist is and why it's important? What a playlist is, I mean, it's like a one-stop shop. You know what I mean? It's 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 a place where learners can uh, go to reach, you know, resources to check their pacing. It's like they have kind of like full control of their education. There's plenty of times where where learners are coming up to me and be like, "Hey, I want this next piece right here," which doesn't exist in a traditional system. I don't remember ever telling one of my teachers like, "Hey, I I, I know we got the distributive property coming up. Can I get that?" Like I. It's just, I didn't even know what was coming next, really. Playlist is very transparent, lets learners know exactly what's coming up. And if they want to move ahead and learn at their own, you know, pace, then they can do that. And to expand on that, I know in the, in the K world, they don't necessarily use Empower as tracking like, oh, I finished this, I finished that. But they are using it to track their lessons and they know that they're all there and they can move on and learn at their own pace. And they know that no matter what, I will be there to help them. But if they want to move ahead because they're already done with the concept, then they can. So it's just giving, and Power gives them that platform and that ability to move ahead when, you know, the rest of, you know, everybody else may be struggling or they're, they're thriving and they need a little bit of help. Those fast runners always have the option to continue learning. And so their learning never stops. What's your process like as a learning facilitator? What goes into building a playlist? So John knows that Christy and I struggled with building in power for a long time, but he said something to us, especially to me that hit me really square. Like you have to think of it as, you know, your own lesson plans. And so that switched my mindset from empower being in place where you can track grades to empower being a spot where kids can literally follow your lesson plan and plan it out as a learning facilitator that changed my aspect of it because then I took my plans that I was normally going to do and just made it electronic and made it so they can access it and there it's available to them. And so it's, it's a process on the back end of LS because you have to have your lessons done. You have to have everything in place. You have to know where you're going next and you have to be able to backwards map and know where you've been and know where you're going. But once all that's done, it's there forever and you can just go in and tweak things that you know maybe this activity is better than this activity or normal things that you do as an LF but it's just um, on a digital platform. 
A big part of building a playlist starts with unpacking the standards. I work with a team of three learning facilitators. So we really unpack them and make sure that we understand the target or the standard before we start building anything. And then from there, you know, you also got to keep in mind that it's got to be learner friendly. The way you describe things, I mean, you could easily copy and paste from the textbook, but you know, you want learners to know what that what they're getting into and, and, and what they need to do. The foundation is making sure that you understand what the standard is asking them to do. Once you have that broken up and unpacked, it's not very difficult to, you know, get some nice resources. Or now that, you know, we're off in this uh, COVID-19, I have a lot of time to make my own videos. And I, and I feel like the kids are, have been responding even better from seeing my face. <laughs> How is that different than something like Google Classroom or any other software that you could use to lesson plan and share resources? I think that it's more tailored for you as a learning facilitator, whereas if you buy things off, you know, website or a platform, it's tailored to that learning facilitator. So I think Empower allows you and your teacher creativity to come out. Um, and it allows you to interact with it in your own way. You, we make Empower what we want Empower to be. I think that makes it a very strong asset to Lindsay and to our learners. It makes them feel like they're in control. They can easily get into Empower and understand where they were going, where they're working at the time, how they are and compared to the pace of, you know, the other classmates. It just has more. And then of course, all the resources are there um, in order for them. And I just really love it. It's got so much. It allows you to see where you're at in your learning and where you need to go. But I heard you say that it also allows you to see other learners' data and see where your classmates are at. Why would that be important to a learner? Uh, at least myself, I'm always, I'm always looking to my neighbor and, you know, to my other classmates to see where they are to kind of either motivate me or, 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 or just as a reference on where it should be. So um, just having a, a common pace just gives me either, either, you know, sparks me to work harder or lets me know, hey, I, I got a little time to even, even chill today. <laughs> you know, they're, it's, it's they're in control of their learning. It's just the, that, that, that power that they get. I mean, it's called Empower. <laughs> and I think he brings up a good point. I think when, especially my learners are on Empower and they can see their neighbor in their group is maybe, for example, we're, you know, we work on sight words and we track it in the classroom. And if they can see that I'm still on orange words, but my partner's on green words and their activities are different, it gives them that self-motivation to keep going and to keep moving and to get where their peers are. It's a motivational platform as well, like he said, to see other kids' faces. It might not just come up on their screen, but just to lean over and say, oh, you're working on that or do you need help? Or, hey, I want to be on that. How did you get there? So it starts that dialogue and that conversation about how to set goals, how to make goals, how to reach those goals to get to where they need to be or to help bring somebody up of where, you know, maybe they're struggling and need some help and you got it and you were able to help them and empower a, a platform that will allow that to happen. John, I want to get your take on this too, since you've been working with Empower since almost the beginning. What were some of the early visions for the program and what were the gaps that they sought to fill? Empower existed previously as a, as a grade book uh, named Educate. Lindsay uh, adopted Educate as a grade book. And, and so I'll just jump back to the, the strategic design again. You know, we, we had uh, several vision statements. 
you know, out of the strategic design that really kind of charged us with building it out into a learning management system. Recall one of the vision statements uh, having to do with uh, curriculum being available online 24-7, you know, and that has to do with the idea of opportunity to learn, just getting outside the four walls. And uh, another statement out of our, our strategic design what had, had the idea that learning could happen anytime, anywhere. Uh, perhaps it came out of the initial need because we had so many migrant families that were traveling to Washington for Terry's and Oregon, and they ju we just needed a, a solution. Certainly, it didn't come about anticipating COVID-19, but pretty good vision. Uh, but but then there was a burning platform, I think, that came about as, as Lindsay was an early innovator in competency-based learning. You know, we kind of had a promise to our learners that we were going to hold them to the standard of mastery. We said, we're not going to let you down. We're not going to pass you on with just declarative knowledge or, or low-level knowledge. We wanted to prepare you to be successful in college and career. And so as soon as we did that, we, we said, we're going to hold you accountable to mastery. It, it put a lot of pressure and stress on our teachers. For one thing, we had to give kids time to learn. And another, we had to assess them a lot more because we're, we're now putting in place standards and competencies. And so, uh, you know, like George and Kayla, they, they might have 15, 20 standards with four levels of gray of, of learning uh, progressions in them. So, you know, you're looking at, uh, we used to give one grade for George's math class. Now he's, he's got to give what, 50, 60, 70 grades to each kid. So uh, really quadrupled, uh, quintupled. Uh, I mean, the scoring and the assessment really made it so teachers, learning facilitators, come to class with one lesson plan for 30 kids, we were now asking teachers to come to class with 30 lesson plans for 30 kids. That's tough. Uh, so our burning platform was, how do we make this, this work uh, manageable? I, I remember a story that Amalia Lopez, she was an ELA teacher at the time at the high school, she told the Wall Street Journal, and they asked her uh, how she implements student-centered learning in her ELA class. And, and I think her response was something like, I get very little sleep. I drink a lot of coffee. I prepare 30 different lesson plans per day. And when I heard that, I thought to myself, oh my gosh, student-centered learning is not sustainable without a technological solution that helps with that workload. That was our big burning platform we had to help our learning facilitators, are we going to burn them out? And, you know, partnership was born with, with Educate. We started building in power and we're still building. We're, we're still listening to teachers like Kayla and, and George. And they say, I got a problem. And then, and then we jointly come up with a solution. It sounds like a lot of what Empower is today was based off of the Lindsay strategic design and their needs for its learning facilitators. Isn't it a bit unusual for a private tech company in a public school district to have a collaborative relationship like that? Well, it's, 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 I would say it's absolutely unique. You know, I, I can't, I don't know of another learning management system that, that is building a, a, a platform by the educator for the educator. All of Empower's uh, research and development 
comes directly from George and Kayla. I mean, Kayla, how many times have we talked about problems and built solutions? And, uh, you know, and great ideas that come from the trenches. I, I, I think it's a very unique relationship in that a lot of uh, technology solutions are put out there. And, and like Kayla said before, you're forced into their paradigm. What Empower tries to do is, is to allow that unique individuality for the, for the art side of a teacher to show through. They don't lose their personality. They don't, they're not stuck into a, uh, a screen where they're sticking kids. And it's a great opportunity too, because there's so many courageous leaders out there in the teaching force that know how to make this transition, transition and nobody is really taking the time to listen to them. So it's a really, really powerful synergy. And I think too, just to add on to John, I know teach other teachers that teach in different districts that are interested in the platform that we have in Empower, but not necessarily the platform itself, but just that connection that when there's something that's not working right, or if there's something that I think this will make it better, I have that outlet and I know that outlet's going to listen and they're going to respond and we're going to work it through and we're going to make the platform better for everybody. I think that's unique too. And it's really special knowing that you're a part of something greater and that's going to help everybody else. One of the big ideas behind this platform and behind Anytime Anywhere Learning is that it gives learners the opportunity to learn at their own pace in different ways and in different time frames. That sounds really great in theory, but in reality, do you actually see your learners going home and on their own time logging into Empower and pushing themselves ahead by going after learning content when they could be doing something else for their own enjoyment? It really takes a team effort for this to really, really uh, work. Like learners are, are, are barely seeing that this has some, some teeth to it. But yeah, I mean, as, as of now, it's usually the high flyers that are really taking the initiative. The learners that kind of are, are ready to learn on their own. Most of, the, most of them are kind of starting to get used to it. And that could be because, you know, I wasn't using it as, I was mostly using it kind of as a grade book at first because it does have so many things it's kind of, it took me a little while to kind of get, get the hang of it myself. COVID-19 caught us all by surprise. Uh, Empower wasn't built to be an online platform that it replaces a, a, a teacher or learning facilitator. That That's not its purpose, but it, it is used as a tool within the, the brick and mortar, the four walls to, um, to help group and regroup and to maybe plan your instruction around individual learner needs Within, uh, it, it provides for uh, real-time scoring, workflows, all that good stuff. I think one of the big things we are learning right now as we were forced into putting in place as a remote, uh, a remote learning tool is that there's a lot of uh, SOPs that need to be put in place if we're ever to go into this environment again because it, it, is, it was not put into place as a remote learning tool necessarily. I think that's what, what uh, George is saying, is, is a big lesson learned for us. If we have a spike next fall, how do we prepare our kids to use the tool independently without a, a learning facilitator? I've been using Empower for a long time with the kindergartner, so I have a pretty strong SOP in place on how to log on, how to, what does it look like, how do we get to things, but 
it's a whole nother dynamic going into COVID-19 shelter in place um, because I was there to help them and now I'm not. Um, they know how to navigate it and they know how to get to things, but just that quick, you know, hey, Miss M, how do you do this? They don't necessarily have that. And parents aren't as versed in it as I am. You know, it's kind of slowed down the 24-7 learning, but after a couple of screencastifies and talking to some parents, they quickly were able to get Empower up and rolling. Not all parents, but a lot of parents. And like John said, you know, Empower wasn't meant for an online platform for distance learning, and it it's not meant to, you know, replace us as learning facilitators. But it's kind of, at this point, I see it as that bridge between I'm here teaching, it's still going to be there, and, you know, here's this thing that, this platform that we can use to um, bridge that gap, even though it's way better in, you know, in our learning environment and in one-to-one, um, -one, you know, teaching and learning, but um, for right now, Empower is, is that bridge that puts everything together. It's not designed to replace a learning facilitator, but certainly we want to push our learners to be able to access their learning and to be able to move ahead independently and at their own pace. So what is the learning facilitator's role and how do you empower that learner to become independent and really take ownership of their own learning? It's gotta be referenced often in, in, in the classroom and, and you know, it's, it's giving them time to practice using it in the classroom until they're familiar and, and able to do it on their own. And of course, there's those learners who, who are gonna do it and, and figure it out on their own. But I think my, my next task for, for the coming year will be to, to get everybody more involved and doing some flipped classroom things. Now that my whole playlist is built out, I know that it's there and I know they can do it. So, you know, it's just taking a little time to get everybody on board, but next year is always better than the, than the previous. Now, what about relationship building? I know from my experience taking online courses, I felt there was a disadvantage there. And I'm not even a person with high social needs, but the benefit of having a face-to-face -face instructor was noticeably lacking in those classes. And I always felt that it made the teacher distant and cold and unwilling to collaborate, yet as a student, I was still dependent on them to clearly communicate my responsibilities through digital correspondence. So what's different in Lindsay and how does the vision for Anytime Anywhere Learning address those issues? I think the relationships I have with my learners right now is stronger than when we were in class. Just because as kindergarten teacher, every birthday party, every celebration, Miss Sim, can you come to my house? Miss Sim, can you, you know, do all these things? And now through Zoom and other platforms that I'm actually there. And so, you know, the first couple of times meeting on Zoom, I've seen everybody's bedroom. I've seen everybody's, you know, families. I've seen all those things that they just die, dying to show you. I remember my very first Zoom meeting. I'm pretty sure I saw every single toy in every single bedroom, how it worked, what it did. There were, you know, Legos flying and there were Hot Wheels going everywhere just because they were so excited to just show you things. And so I think that relationship is stronger now. So that part of this COVID is actually kind of nice. It's one of those silver linings that I have a stronger relationship with each one of my learners, but it's still that social aspect that I think the kids are missing between learner to learner that I, I've noticed in the last couple of weeks that they 
they just want to talk to their friends and they just want to hang out and they just want to be with their friends. And so giving them that extra time during Zoom just to talk and just to chat, um, I think is also building that relationship and making it stronger. And so I think relationships in this point at COVID are the forefront and learning targets and learning 24 seven learning is also important. But I think relationships at this point are a little bit more important just to keep that hope alive and just to keep you know, things are going to get better. Things are going to get back to normal. We're all going to be able to go back to school. And so I think like the relationship side is, is stronger than ever. But I don't want us to forget about the academic side either because we're essentially losing two or three months of face-to-face -face instruction. So how well do you think our Anytime Anywhere learning approach has filled in that gap? And have we provided adequate learning opportunities for these kids in spite of the schools being closed? I don't think that answer is binary, meaning has it has or hasn't it worked. You know, before COVID-19, the whole concept of anytime, anywhere learning was not online learning, right? The, the idea between anytime, anywhere learning was that I could take and, and have experiential opportunities. Uh, for instance, if I'm, uh, if I'm on vacation, I can... I can create a uh, individual learning plan where I, I would explore the Mayan ruins and uh, and do my report on, on that kind of a thing. And, and we have flexibility in how we learned things. You didn't have to be in the, in the four walls of the school or the classroom. So say when COVID-19 lands in our lap, one day we're in the four walls and the next day everybody's at home. A horrible disadvantage. Getting kids to show up for an online classroom, I think the country's rate of success to get kids to show up is 50% right now. I have to think if we were able to plan, uh, have a week planning even before we did this, uh, we would have established maybe some learning expectations. What is expected while you're at home? It would have really lit a fire under learners to get them to come to class. We could have had some SOPs to drive your own learning. We could add some structures in place so that teachers weren't butting heads with each other, scheduling their time with kids in the day. That's what the master schedule does in a high school. We don't have that online. It's an unbelievably unprecedented act that our teachers were asked to do, and the kids were not prepared for it. Could we do a lot better the next time around? You bet. Uh, absolutely. Has that changed the expectations, though? Can a Lindsay High School 2020 graduate feel confident that they've received a full high school education? And are the expectations for receiving a diploma the same? Yeah, I, I think in, in some regards, we've been in this, what, uh, 50 days or so? or About 45. I don't even now. know anymore. 45 days? Um I mean, personally, George could probably answer this better, but uh, personally, we know up to 45 days ago, the, uh, a senior in high school right now has had a very rigorous expectation on their graduation. The last 45 days, I think we're still trying to figure out what the expectation should be. Uh, what, is, what, what is a reasonable expectation for learning at home with no structures in place to support the learners with many diverse needs. So it's a, it's a big question. George, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, 
the kids that are logging on are getting uh, the same, if not better, education at this point. Because as Kayla said earlier, some of the relationships are even better because everything is almost one-on-one. -on -one. Every email is like just for that learner compared to in the classroom, there's, there's some learners who, you know, I don't ever have a one-to-one -one with. So yeah, I think the learners that are logging on and doing what they're supposed to be doing, they're getting a good education, if not even better because of all the feedback that I'm able to give, you know, just, just, just being very uh, specific on what they need to work on. They're learning a lot. Before we started the podcast, we talked a little bit over email about the things you're doing to monitor their progress. So what do you do? How do you make sure learners aren't falling behind without being able to see them every day? Yeah, so as soon as a learner does one of these assignments, I know what level of knowledge it is because we unpack the standard. And I, I just go into Empower and update their level two on that task. So a learner can easily log in there and be like, okay, I see that I have my twos here I, I, i'm ready to start working into some level three knowledge and you know it's just a very transparent way of, of, of you know doing school learners know what's coming they know where they're at and they can ask me for the next piece rather than wait for me to tell them yeah and the learners also getting feedback every time that score is put in too they've got a, a meter that tells them uh if they're on pace or off pace or ahead of pace with, with real-time scoring, you, of course, have real-time progress monitoring available to the kids, which is a great piece of pressure to achieve. Yeah, we found a way to kind of gamify it in the math academy <clears throat> to where we have a competition within the periods. You know, like, oh, 60% of you are on pace, but check out period five, they're at 78% of them on pace. And, you know, it's just a way for them to even compete against different periods. And it's just, you know, the power of, of having the data and having the information available for them. George, it's interesting. You said there are some things that are actually going better for you now that you've moved to distance learning. So what aspects of online learning do you think are actually improvements over the traditional classroom? And how will you take those improvements and carry them over to the next school year so you don't lose that when you hopefully have access to in-person learning environments once again? I think because of the coronavirus and the seriousness, seriousness of it, I feel like I, I approach everything with, with kind of like a more humanistic approach. How are you doing first? And just kind of checking in with them as, as almost like a buddy and then get into, you know, doing some of the educational parts, which, you know, I don't always maybe do in the classroom. But I think one of the other big, big pieces is the, the feedback. I'm, I'm very specific with the feedback. Whereas in, in class, you know, I, I don't know if I do it enough. It's just, it just became very personal. It's, it's, it's one assignment, one learner, and me responding to that one person rather than everyone at a time. That's, that's pretty rich, George. I think we do a good job of building relationships, but through this COVID pandemic, I know myself that I could do a better job of making those relationships. And I think it's through those relationships, it drives their learning. They may know that I care. They know that I'm here. They know that I want the best for them. And I think that motivates them to keep them going. I think just being intentional about those relationships and giving that personal one-on-one -on -one feedback instead of just a general blanket 
I think is definitely something that I'm gonna be more mindful of and add into my instruction. And I've also noticed that, like George said, it's it's one-on-one. -on -one. And so just building in that time just to sit with a learner, maybe five minutes a day and just check in on them first personally and then academically, I think it's gonna make all the difference. And I think it's gonna drive that 24 hour learning, especially if we have, if there is a spike and we have to do this again in the fall, I think that relationship building is gonna continue to drive their 24 seven learning and just making it more, you know, intentional and impactful for them, I think is gonna be all the difference. I guess my, my hope, I've got, I've got three kids at home from college. Two of the three said if they're having to start school online again, they're going to hold out a semester. More than anything, they value the relational piece and the in-person piece, which I think is just really powerful for learning. So I guess my hope is one day when we return to school, we, uh, we come back with a greater appreciation for the community that we have. Uh, maybe that we find a renewed sense of importance for ideas like connectedness and belonging and knowing that we kind of get into school routines sometime, you know, view it as a grind, both as professionals and learners too. So I guess I'm, I'm hopeful this experience will help us all to see what, what a blessing our education is. Uh, I hope learners look at their learning facilitators as a blessing uh, and an opportunity. I hope our learning facilitators look at our kids and truly miss them. And like George is saying, I'm in a one-to-one -one lens instead of a 30-to-one lens. A lot of good is going to come from this, though, I believe. And that is a theme that keeps coming up again and again as we continue having these conversations. Connectedness, belonging, and relationship building. There's a lot of consensus in the Lindsay educational community around the idea that those are the building blocks of an ideal learning experience. I hope you're right, I think you are, that we'll come out of this stronger and more equipped to build meaningful learning experiences for our community here in Lindsay and around the world. Jorge Magana, Kayla Mendonca, and John Caesar, thank you all for calling in to join us today. Oh, good. It was awesome. <laughs> and a special thanks to our guests from outside the district, as well as you, the listener. Don't forget to subscribe on iTunes and SoundCloud so you never miss an episode of Lindsay Live.